Welcome to the Fly Fish Local Podcast, featuring local anglers fishing on local waters for local species. Well, welcome everybody to the latest episode of Fly Fish Local. Thanks for downloading and thanks for, for listening. My name is Drew Morgan. And, uh, and I really appreciate your support. And like I said, I really appreciate you listening. Very excited about this episode of Fly Fish Local. I'll be uh, sharing a conversation that I had with a local red-eye bass angler. That's right, red-eye bass. Um, those of us in the south, uh, fly fishermen in the south, might be more aware of this. But if you're not as aware, um, it's a separate uh, subspecies of bass that only lives here in the south. So anyway, um, the guy I'm talking to's name is Matt Lewis. Uh, Matt lives in central Alabama. He'll be the first to tell you that he's just a quote unquote normal guy. Um, you know, he isn't a guide. He isn't an industry insider, um, but he has absolutely fallen in love with chasing red eye bass on a fly rod. The way Matt has applied fly fishing tactics to a local species such as the red eye bass is exactly the kind of thing that um, I'm hoping to feature on this podcast. And so when I got connected with Matt, I knew that it would be a conversation that, that I wanted to share with you all. My desire is after hearing Matt's passion, it will inspire others to go out in their own neck of the woods and apply fly fishing tactics to whatever the species may be. And that's the whole vision and purpose of this podcast. So like I said, Matt has become extremely passionate about fishing for red eye bass with a fly rod. So much so, uh, he's actually written an article for Eastern Fly Fishing Magazine. And he is currently writing a book about red eye bass. And he says this in the interview. You know, he's not trying to get rich. And this isn't, you know, some kind of uh, promotion for it. Um, purely, you know, he was frustrated with the lack of information when he wanted to learn more. And so instead of sitting around and sulking, Matt's actually doing something about it and, and researching and, and writing a book, which I, I think is very commendable. But uh, in writing this book, Matt has compiled a lot of information on the biology, habitat, diet, unique qualities of red eye bass. And so you know, in my opinion, when you combine his passion and knowledge, it makes for a really interesting conversation that, like I said, I'm excited to share with you all today. Um, let me say this. I myself am a bit of a red-eye bass fanatic. So let me just throw that out there. Um, I do add my two cents and you know, in our conversation where, where we talk. And, you know, to me, it's the same kind of feeling as, as, as blue lining for brook trout, except, you know, I don't have to drive several hours up to the mountains to do that. And I love doing that. Um, but these are local species that are right here where I'm located and, and Matt's located. And so they're a lot of fun. Um, th these fish are also in the waters that I got in. So, you know, catching a red eye is always a special occurrence uh, for anybody who's fishing in the boat with me or even myself. Um, a few notes about the red eye, and we'll get more into this when we get into the interview with Matt, but, um, you know, the red eye is a own unique species and technically, uh, calling them a, re a, a red eye bass is a bit of a misnomer. Actually, each river drainage in, um, in the, in this region has its own species of a red eye bass. And so 
that's something also really interesting, and Matt's going to get more into that as well. So we're, we're going to start with his evolution um, and how he got into even, you know, using a fly rod. I think that's really interesting, especially, you know, if you're out there and, and you feel like you're all alone and, and, you know, nobody else in your area is using a fly rod, but you've really gotten into it. Matt's story is going to be similar to that in that he didn't grow up with that, and it's not something that was real popular in his area. So I wanted to start with that, uh, just to hopefully kind of, uh, you know, give you all who maybe are in that situation some um, some support, I guess. But um, after that, he's going to talk about how he got into red-eye bass especially, and then we're going to uh, move on from that to actually, you know, fishing for red-eye bass and some technical information about you know, the species and, and how that information relates to fly fishing for them. So hopefully, you know, if you're not in this region, you know, hopefully after listening to this, you'll have enough information to where if you want to, you know, come here and, and fish for red eye and try to catch some red eye, hopefully you'll, you'll get enough information from this that you'll be able to do that. And then, you know, also some of you, several, you know, many of you probably fish for red eye bass. And so you know, I really do think there's going to be some nuggets of information for you as well that, you know, maybe some things you didn't know or maybe some information that, that you didn't realize. And so hopefully there's something for everybody in, in making them better uh, fly fishermen for, for red-eye bass. So anyway, without any further ado, uh, this is my conversation with Matt Lewis. Well, um Thanks for uh, thanks for being willing to talk to me, man. I, I appreciate you taking some time out and um, and talking about some red eye bass. Yeah, no, thanks for thanks for having me. It's nice to be able to to let people know about such a cool fish we have here in Alabama. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I guess you know, tell me about kind of your evolution. You know, most if you're like most folks in Alabama, especially you know, we didn't necessarily grow up fly fishing. Um, how'd you get into to using fly rods to to fish? Um, well, yeah, I certainly did not grow up fly fishing. Um, I grew up in Geneva, Alabama, which is a, a pretty small rural town in, uh, Southeast Alabama. Um, and it's kind of a town of rivers. So the Pea River and, and Choctahatchee River, um, combine in Geneva and there's a big city park there and you know, Geneva's a big port back in the day, but the, the fishing is, um, both of those rivers are very, very dark uh, yeah. water, kind of tannin stained, sandy bottom, and sandy. It, yeah, and I'm from Dothan, you know, so I I fully right. understand what you're <laughs> muddy stained. I mean, you know, just yes, like not a whole lot. Um, of, very prone to flooding. Yeah. Um, so I mean, really, back home, people primarily catfish, or they they brim fish, mm-hmm. and um, that's done with you know either setting hooks for catfish, so people would just would go out and tie a hook to a tree or tree limb and come back and check on the next day. Um, or people just take a cane pole and go to some of the holes in the river or the creeks that feed into the river and just, you know, sit there and catch a mess of of brim, which is typically bluegill. Um, do do y'all still have stir? I know I've read about sturgeon used to migrate up out of the Gulf. Yeah. So there are still sturgeon that, that migrate to spawn up the, um, the Choctahatchee river, I believe. Um, and so that still happens. I've never caught one or seen one, but there are people that will see That's them awesome, roll man. and stuff like that yeah. on the, the top of the water. So, 
you know, it's, it's cool. It's just, it's different than most people are probably used to unless you grew up down here. Um, and so, you know, I grew up fishing with my dad, going out, doing like an overnight camp out on a, on a sandbar, um, you know, just brim fishing and stuff like that. And never really got into fishing. It was just more of like, I enjoyed being outside and camping and riding the boat and that kind of stuff. Yeah, which um, I think, you know, like I said, for most people in Alabama, I think that's, you know, how they kind of get into it. Um, yes. But yeah, it's interesting, I, you're you're already kind of drawn to fish in current, you know, or rivers at least. Um, right. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I've always enjoyed rivers. Um, I wouldn't say that I, I don't like lakes or ponds, yeah. but, you know, just rivers is kind of what we would spend our time on growing up so i kind of had that that love of river fishing kind of already instilled um in me and then you know once high school and college i was busy with other things wasn't really you know focused on fishing as much um and then when i started graduate school at auburn um i was in the fisheries department there and uh, we had access to the fishery ponds which were closed to everyone else except fishery students um and Which these if, are, if people don't know, all, the Auburn Fisheries Department is 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 world renowned among fisheries biologists, um, and I know that because I've worked with some. I live in the Auburn area, and um, and they have some top notch ponds. I mean, I mean, right, really nice ponds. So yeah, that, that was that's pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean Auburn excels in you know every avenue of fisheries. So from you know. Um, aquaculture to pond management yeah. to you know whatever but they really had about i think there were six or seven ponds and most of these ponds were you know three acre or larger ponds they're good sized ponds that were managed for trophy fishing so it was kind of experimental trophy fishing um, nice. lakes yeah. so of course they're going to be stocked with some some pretty stout fish yeah um and a few of my buddies uh, in the fisheries department, we would go fish every now and then after a long day, you know, in the lab or whatever. Yeah. And um, one of the guys had a fly rod, and we would stand on the bank because we didn't have a boat or kayaks at that point. And um, you know, I was throwing uh, who knows what yeah, uh, at this point, whatever, but yeah. he had a. Uh, a little fly rod. I think it was probably a three weight or a four weight with a little popping bug on yeah. it. And I mean, he would catch like 10 to one, um, big bullhead bluegill to, yeah, you know, compared to what awesome. we would catch. <laughs> um, and I was like, well, dude, like if you're catching more, I want to do what you're doing. And he let me, you know, hold the fly rod, kind of do a few yeah. casts to practice with. And of course, you know, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but with most things in my life that I've come across, I don't, know or understand I, it makes me want to understand it yeah. better um so i started talking to him i'm like man i want to buy a fly rod like what do i get and he's like well what do you want to fish for and i said well you know the ponds have bass crappie bluegill carp you know i said i want to be able to catch anything yeah um and he's like well if you're gonna carp fish you know i'd get like a, yeah. a seven weight yeah you know so here i am not knowing really anything about fly fishing out with a seven weight catching mainly bluegill <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because yeah. the carp aren't exactly easy to catch. Oh, um, yeah, we, yeah, definitely. I hooked a few and they would, they would run off to the middle of the pond and eventually break me off on something. But, nice. um, anyway, so yeah. I, I started fly fishing there, but I wouldn't say I, I got into it as much as it was just a tool for me to maybe 
you know, try to catch more fish than I was doing beforehand. Yeah. Um, and it was mainly frustrating for me because, you know, I didn't know how to cast that well. I wasn't sure how to tie the a leader on. I mean, there's a lot of aspects to it that were just completely foreign. So to what, me. what would you say though, is the reason, you know, once you, you, you tried it, what would you say was the major reason why you wanted to even try it? You know? Um, cause I, you know, being in Alabama, especially being in the South, I get a lot of questions like, man, why would you make fishing harder for yourself? Which it does look harder, but it's really not once you learn it. But, um, right. so what was your initial draw? I think initial draw was the sensitivity um, like how well and how hard, you know, something like a brim yeah. fault. And yeah. I had a seven weight. I mean, keep in mind, I'm fishing with a rod that people <laughs> use for smallmouth yeah. or even redfish. And I'm like, having you know, fun tickled to death <laughs> because I'm like, this fish fights so hard on the fly rod. And, you know, um, I can't imagine if I'd had like a one weight or two weight, what it would have been like for me. But that was the main thing. I could feel every single head turn and head shake, yeah. and I could just really tell what the fish was doing. Um, and, and that was just really cool to me. And so it, I think that's the first step that kind of really reinvigorated fishing for me and, and had me hungry for more. Um, you know, looking back, hindsight 2020, I think I did stick with it yeah. because it was harder and it was frustrating and it requires yeah. you to be a little bit more in tune yeah. with the water and the surroundings. And I, I think I just, that appealed to me, but, um, after Auburn, I, I, uh, got a job in Huntsville, um, doing cancer research at a big biotech firm and trying to figure out, you know, my place in the world, um, post school and, yeah. you know, having my first job and, um, I, I was still kind of bitten by the fishing bug. So the first thing I started doing is looking for like clubs and things to get involved yeah. with. And I came across Tennessee Valley fly fishers, which is a fly fishing club based out of Huntsville. Um, mostly older guys that have been fly fishing for years and have a ton of knowledge to impart. I mean, some guys built rods, um, oh, wow. bamboo yeah. rods mm-hmm. or, or other, yeah. um, some guys were just, very well traveled in the fly fishing world as far as going from like Brazil for peacock bass to Argentina for big brown trout, you know, like every summer they go on one of these type trips. And, um, there's just a lot of, a lot of wisdom in that small group for me to learn from. And, um, I kind of really honed in my, my casting and my fly tying and just almost every aspect of fly fishing. Um, and are are you fishing for trout at this stage or, not yet. So early on, this is, um, small, small rivers and streams for yeah. like red breasted sunfish. Okay. And I mean, a lot of them were like greenways and, um, yeah. you know, parks and walking trails and stuff. Um, and so just kind of building up to the trout thing, I started yeah. getting more and more, you know, into fly fishing and, um, I joined a, a forum, you know, I started joining all the forums I could and reading, trip reports and looking at pictures and of course that all that did was encourage me to like oh there's a fish i haven't yeah, caught yet yeah, exactly. um you know I, th- I think most fly fishermen would agree that there's a there's an evolution that fly fishermen go through um where you just you start you first start fly fishing you just want to you want to catch a fish on the fly yeah um and then you want to go after big fish and then you just want to catch as many different fish as possible yeah yeah um and i don't know what the reason for that is maybe just to solidify your you know your now, status as a fly fisherman. Yeah, I think, but. I mean, I think when you, you know, I, I would definitely agree that 
you know, big fish are fun and we all want to catch a big fish, but we all know that's not always possible. And so in the meantime, catching, you know, which kind of this podcast is kind of wanting to drive that is, you know, your local species are just as fun and seeing what you can catch. And so I, I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah. So eventually you get into red eye bass kind of leading into that. Um, you know, you, you go through a trout phase, you kind of do that kind of stuff. You have some cool experiences. Um, and so now you're really, you know, focusing and really passionate about red eye bass. Um, so how did that, so, you know, when did you first discover the red eye bass? What, um, you know, at what point did you kind of realize, man, like this is a great species to, to chase? Um, so one of the forums that I had joined was Alabama river fishing. It's, it's no longer a forum. Um, it's kind of a Facebook group now, but I have a lot of really good friends, um, on there and, you know, several of them, just a small handful of them are, are just kind of dedicated red eye bass fishermen. They, they loved it. They always talked about it and it's not all they did, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it was something that I'd never seen or heard about and certainly never caught. So at that point I was kind of a brook trout fisherman. That's really all I like to go fish for or smallmouth around Huntsville and, to me, a red eye bass is really if you combine smallmouth bass and brook trout, it's almost huh. you yeah, almost have a, good, a red eye bass. Yeah, um, that's a good. That's a good because they. I'd agree with that. Right, they they call them the brook trout of Alabama. It's kind of their um, yeah. their uh, you know moniker or whatever. So um, some of those guys have been telling me, you know, you need to catch a red eye bass. I think you enjoy it and. Uh, one of the guys, Josh Tidwell, he has a, a float business on Big Wheels Creek um, called Big Wheels Outfitters. And he was like, man, this stream is loaded with red-eye bass. If you don't <laughs> catch one in the first you know, yeah. quarter of a mile, then you just need to hang up your fly rod. And I think it took me the first half of the mile before I actually <laughs> yeah. caught one because I kept missing the hook set on them. But, um, but, yeah, the first time I got one and started looking at it and just – you know, the coloration on those fish, the, you know, the blue cheeks. Yeah. So, blue. so that's kind of leading into to what, you know, I really want us to focus on in this conversation is unique care, you know, so what's different and, you know, you've done a lot of research recently, uh, in, in, in writing your book. So you've kind of combined passion with knowledge. And, um, right. so, you know, what, What's unique about this species compared to a spot or a largemouth or smallmouth? What what makes them different? Um, well, there's a lot of things. I think um, some of the most some of the most unique is just uh, I'm not sure if it's the beauty of the streams that they live in because they're kind of in the higher elevation, um, you know, small, clear, rocky streams above um, the fall line okay. in Alabama okay. and Georgia. So you know, they will inhabit some waters with, with spotted bass, but yeah. if you really get into to true red eye bass waters where red eye bass are the predominant fish species that you're going to catch, you're getting into the tributary streams of those rivers that hold spots and other, other bass. Okay. So you're getting up into pretty remote, you know, very trout esque, um, streams that are just, you so, know, beautiful yeah so maybe let's back up so what's the distribution of, of so when you talk about you know upland streams and tributaries um you know where what, what what are the regions what we're talking about here 
So the the native range of red eye bass is um, the states are Alabama, Georgia, and very small part of South Carolina and a very small part of uh, Tennessee. The main rivers um, are the in the Mobile Basin, which kind of yeah. stretch through Alabama and Georgia. For some of these, are the Coosa River, the Tallapoosa River. Um, and then the Cahaba and Black Warrior yeah. primarily in Alabama. Um, and then also the Chattahoochee, which is an Apalachicola um, river. And then the Savannah River is the other native range, which is kind of Georgia, South Carolina area. Um, and the Conasauga River in Tennessee. So those are the main rivers. Any tributaries above the fall line that, that feed in to those main rivers um, are going to going to have red-eye mm-hmm. bass in them. And by fall on, you mean that border between the coastal plain and the Piedmont regions? Um, C- correct. So, you know, if you're looking at a map of the south, it, it kind of makes like a crescent um, from like south of Atlanta to like Auburn, Apalachia to Mobile, and then kind of kind of back, you know, back angled back up north. Um, so really below the fall on in the coastal plain, you're not going to find red-eye bass. No, um, it's it's you're typically not because the streams aren't going to be as rocky. Uh, they're going to be a little more sandy, and that's just just yeah. not the kind of habitat where they where they prefer to live. Yeah. So so going back to to what you were saying, um, if you could describe the the perfect habitat, you know, so if you if you were going to create a perfect red eye habitat, uh, what would you do, or you know, what would you what would you want it to look like? What, what would you want it to be? So you want um, definitely a, a small, clear, cool stream. Red eye bass typically like water, you know, below sixty-five degrees yeah. um, Fahrenheit. So it's cooler water. It's it's water that's probably too warm for trout, but um, you know, too cold for most other black bass species. Yeah, yeah. Um, you want to have at least some moderate current. So um, red eye or a shoal fish really and and they're going to be found uh near current typically um you want to have a lot of a lot of places for them to to hide you know any yeah. fish wants wants yeah, cover and food as the two things they look for so uh boulders big boulders big rocks um small rock ledges um or even canopy cover like overhanging trees or, or vegetation sometimes will will really kind of draw in red eye bass, but the, the primary thing is going to be those those cool water, you know, clean, pollution free, rocky streams um, above the fall line. So yeah, and and you know the thing that's drawn, and, and I'm somewhat of a red eye bass fanatic as well. I, I don't, I haven't done as much research as you, and and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily fish some of the upper tributaries like I should. I I, I need to, um, mm-hmm. but. You know, to me, that's the cool thing, and I think you mentioned this earlier. I mean, you're basically describing trout water. It's just slightly too warm for trout. And right. so, you know, these these fish, these bass, uh, you know, it, it is almost like fishing, like, you know, for brook trout or for, you know, in a small trout stream in North Georgia or, or North Carolina. Right. Um, and a lot of these places are really beautiful and, and, you know, people don't realize it, but, but Alabama has some mountainous, you know, kind of foothills of, of the Appalachians that, um, and I'm guessing that's where, uh, you know, you like to go. Um, yes. 
most of the time. And um, do you ever go, you know, I know Talia National Forest is there. Um, mm-hmm. Have you fished in a national forest there around like Mount Jihad a good bit or... I have fished some in Talladega National Forest. I haven't fished in Chiha yet. Um, that's one of the areas that's still kind of on my bucket list. Um, yeah. You know, I, you know, talking, this might be going into a new topic, but um, with the, back in 2013, Auburn put out a paper that basically distinguished red-eye bass into um, different species based on the streams that they live in. Um, and up until that point, I had really only been catching, uh, red-eye bass out of the Coosa river drainage. And so that was Micropterus Coosa is their, their scientific name. And, you know, now all of a sudden there's, um, Micropterus Cahabe out of the Cahaba river, Micropterus Warriensis out of the Black Warrior river Mm -hmm. system. And, um, Micropterus Talapusa out of the Talapusa river system. And, you know, I had not caught any of the other ones. So I've kind of been on this mission to, to go do that. Um, yeah, I've so, heard some guys call it the red eye slam or, right. You know, so it's pretty yeah. cool. And I, you know, I, I'd like to do it one day. So, um, how, what, so as of this summer, where are you at in the red eye slam? Okay. So I've, um, I've fished in South Carolina and caught the, uh, Bartram's bass, which is, which is the Savannah River uh, oh, yeah. drainage That's native awesome. red eye. Yeah. That one currently isn't formally described as a separate species from from the Coosa bass or mm-hmm. Micropterus Coosa. That work is ongoing and it okay. should be published soon. But really and truly, I mean, you can catch those fish and tell that it's a it's a different yeah. red eye morphologically. And well, see, sure. and, that, and that's what's so cool to me too about red eye bass is that, you know we think we know so much nowadays right. and and we do but you know these fish i mean we're still you know fisheries biologists are still learning and there's there's right. more to be discovered and, and it's to me it's fun to kind of as i'm fishing for them to know that people are also learning more about them and it's kind of like a you know symbiotic relationship almost where the fisheries biologists are learning more about locations and species and subspecies and then you know we get to kind of chase after the the new subspecies that are uh, so, you know, in my opinion, I mean, I think that's something that's really cool. Um, and, uh, so, right. but yeah, anyway, so you've got the, the Bartram's bass. Got the Bartram's bass. Of course I went and caught some more, um, some Kusa bass or the Micropterus Kusa, um, just because that's the one I know the best probably. Um, and then I went and fished the Cahaba and some of its tributaries and, and caught some nice, um, Cahaba bass. And then most recently, which was last weekend, I went and fished some tributaries of the Black Warrior River um, and caught several nice, nice uh, warrior bass. Um, so I've, I've notched off most of them. Um, really, I just have the Talapusa strain and the Chattahoochee strain left. Um, well, I, I think this. I think me and you can hook up and take care of the Talapusa strain. I, I think so. I mean, <laughs> if anybody knows them, you, you should. Yeah, so. we, can, we can do that. We could do that. Well, that you know. So what? Let's say you know. So you've been you've had you've had training in biology, um, right? To just a, a kind of normal guy or girl who they maybe they don't have that knowledge. Uh, can you can you tell uh, you know just with the naked eye differences in the subspecies or 
Is it kind of just, you know, like scale count and tooth patch and that kind of thing? Um, well, some of them you can. So I think it's important probably, probably just to go ahead and say, you know, in general what you're looking for in a red-eyed bass because yeah. this is consistent features among all of the different um, Yeah, I'm glad you say that because let's go ahead and say this now, and you were probably about to say it, but I'll say it for you. A rock yeah. bass is a different species <laughs> than a red-eyed bass. Right. A rock bass is not a red eye, and a red eye is not a rock bass. So let's they, just. I they know, could not be further from. They couldn't be further apart. I mean, yeah. they're totally different. And I, you know, um, I see people on Instagram post, and I'm so bad. And maybe that's just being me, and I don't want to be snarky or anything. But like, oh, that's not a red eye. Like red eyes are so much cooler it, to me than yes. all that. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I mean. I think it, the problem is that, you know, the, the common name is red eye bass. So any, yeah. any bass or fish that people catch with a red eye, they're going to immediately think they got a red eye. And, you know, the truth is, um, spotted bass can have red eyes. Yeah. Smallmouth bass can have red eyes. Sometimes red eye bass don't have red yeah, eyes. Exactly. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've the, caught the eye color, the eye color is really a function of stress and water temperature. And so that can change within a minute, you know, on, on those bass species. So that's Ooh, not yeah. really a, a common or a, a recommended method for determining whether or not you've, you've caught a red eye bass. Um, I would say the most common features, um, number one, if it's a smaller bass, it's more than likely, yeah. you know, in, in the arena, at least of, of potential for being a red eye bass, um, one of the most telltale ways that you're not going to see another black bass species is the caudal fin or the tail fin. Um, tail fin. Yeah. We're basically going to look for uh, a small white border mm -hmm. or white edge yeah. on the upper and lower edges of that fin. Um, and you might even see some on the, you know, anal fin. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but primarily you're going to look at the tail. And if it has that white edge on the upper and lower portion, pretty good chance you have a red eye. Um, the other main distinguishing characteristic is they'll have this little, uh, yeah, blue little... crescent on the posterior kind of one half of the eyeball. Yeah. Um, it almost looks like huh. a little bit of eye makeup. Um, and <laughs> other I fish don't have that, that <laughs> at all. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why they call the red eye bass the, the pretty boy because it has those, those really striking turquoise, yeah. uh, coloration around the head yeah, and I, cheek area so and blue cheeks right. and, I, and I'll, i always like to use the the chrome eyelid you know above the eye but yes. i've noticed and this is i was going to ask you is i've noticed i'll catch some spots too mm -hmm. that have somewhat of a chrome eyelid so maybe that's not the best way to identify yes yeah, i mean these are things you're going to have to kind of take in totality so yeah. you're going to look for the i think if you have the combination of the white edge fins um and the the little crescent on the eye, it's a pretty good chance it's a red eye. Um, sometimes red eye do hybridize with spotted bass yeah, or yeah. Other, other black basses, um, more common in some waters than others. And those fish can have a very thin crescent on the, yeah. the you know upper eye. Um, and sometimes I've caught spots as well that have that. So it's very clear that it's a, a red eye. Yeah. And, but um, to me, but to me, when those fish, they may have that eyelid, but when you look at the rest of the fish, it looks yes. like a spot. I mean, it, you know, there's right. nothing else. And so they um, usually will have the more solid, um, coloration along the lateral line mm -hmm. on the side of the fish, yeah. will, you know, spots or red eye spot hybrids will still have that. Whereas red eye kind of have a more of a broken or modeled 
Yeah. Blotch series of blotches along along that lateral line. And to so, me they have a very distinct little parallel lines on their belly. Um, yes. That they have some like that. colored scales or colored yeah. scale rows that are you know, they're not as, as straight as a spotted bass might be, but they're they're there. Yeah. Um, so the, I think that's probably you know, classic red eye features that you're gonna see throughout all the red eye species. Now, yeah, when you get into differentiating species of red eye so within the red eyes you know different species um it's a little bit tougher because there are um there are definite um features that are, are a little bit more scientific so scale count yeah uh number of fin rays and things like that but in general um and this is you know pretty pretty good rule of thumb depending on what water you're fishing in so if you're fishing in the talapusa more than likely, you're not going to catch a a warrior. You know, yeah, that's a good eye. point. Yeah, um, you know, so you so, know it's a Talapusa red eye if you catch it in a Talapusa. Yeah, <laughs> Talapusa, right? That makes sense. So that's pretty easy <laughs> to remember. Now, yeah. there are some little things. I mean, the the Cusa strain will have a little bit um, have a little bit of red in their fins. Um, typically, have a little bit more pronounced um, blue coloration, turquoise coloration around the the cheek area. Um, they're not going to have as much of a modeled uh, huh. series of modeled patches along the lateral line. It's almost like they just kind of don't have much. They'll have that on their, their top, their back, but not along the side. The Cahaba strain is a little bit more uh, green um, in overall coloration. Um, and then when you get into the Warrior, they're a little bit easier to differentiate from all the others because they typically don't have a tooth patch, which most red-eye bass do. Yeah. If which they is, do have one, it's very, very, very small. And it's um, circular, right? Isn't the... Right. Okay, yeah. So so you'll know that. And they also have kind of an orange tint to their dorsal, anal, and caudal fins. Um, so you'll see a little bit of an orange tint, which is found in no other huh. red-eye bass. Um, okay. The, the Chattahoochee will have very, very striking red uh, fins. I mean, huh. really, in the, the tail, the dorsal, the anal, the, you know. Everything, like, yeah. Everywhere. Um, and the the Bartram's bass, I mean, there really hasn't been a formal description of those yet. So for those, for now, it's really just, if you're fishing in the Savannah River drainage, um, you know, it's a Bartram's bass. Yeah. Um, but they have a very unique kind of pigmentation color along their sides. It's a little bit more striking and, and um, just pronounced than all the other red eye bass species. So, yeah, man. Okay. Yeah. Well, and so I think, you know, definitely it's important. We talked about people kind of misidentifying them and um, you know, I've mm-hmm. even caught shoal bass in the Flynn in the hooch that have red eyes, you know, and um, right. And so they're not a shoal bass. They're not a red eye bass. Um, and and I mean that's important. These are these are their own unique species, and not trying to poke fun at people. Because I, I and I have run into people who you know maybe their daddy called them that and their granddaddy called them that, and, and now you're mm-hmm. telling them it's not that, and they can get kind of defensive. But it's it's something to say about you know especially Alabama and Georgia having this species that's that's completely native here. You're not going to be able to find them anywhere else unless they've been stocked or something, and and it's our own little treasure, you know. So. Um, they, you know, in my opinion, they do deserve to be appreciated and, and known as their separate species for sure. Um, right. What? Uh, so let's maybe kind of talk more about actual fishing for them, and we'll kind of, okay. 
maybe, uh, maybe, you know, uh, end with this, but I want to spend a good amount of time with it. Um, you know, so if let's say that someone from outside this region, uh, here's this, they want to come try to catch a red, or maybe they want to come for a summer or a couple weeks and try to do the red eye slam. Um, mm -hmm. what kind of patterns are you looking for? What kind of, you know, situations in a stream are you looking for? Um, you know, uh, you can talk about fly patterns, uh, equipment, um, you know, just kind of, like I said, if somebody wanted to come and fish for them, what would they need to do to catch a red eye bass? Um, well, I think that there's, you know, several key considerations. Probably the most important, at least, you know, primarily is make sure you're fishing water that, um, holds red eye bass. So okay. you really want to fish one of the main river drainages, um, that, that hold them. So that would be the Coosa River, the Tallapoosa River, or the Black Warrior River, or the Cahaba River. Um, and now you will catch in the main main river of, of all those rivers, especially in the, the fast water sections, you know, you can catch red eye bass there. I'm sure yeah, you and do if, on the Tallapoosa. Yeah, so uh, I mean, we, you know, you know, I guide mainly on, on the main river, and, and it is very common for us to catch red eyes right, you know, out in this huge river. But you know, really that red eyes probably thinking of it as a smaller stream. It's sitting there in a little run or channel and it's got right. know, rocks, clean water, current, and it's all there. Um, but anyway, right. um, so like, you know, so let's say you've got the river drainage and you pull out a map or a gazetteer or something. Mm -hmm. Um, what kind of things you want, do you want to look for? You know, if you're just, you know, quote blue lining for red eye and you're, you're wanting to get into a, you know, blue line somewhere. Um, right. how would you do that? So what I like to do, and this is, you know, I've had a lot of really good friends that have, have turned me on to stream. So I can't take credit for saying that I've just completely done this on my own. Um, and I really appreciate their help with that, yeah. but uh, you know, they kind of lit that fire under me and, and now I do. I mean, I pull out a gazetteer. I look for very small tributary streams that, mm -hmm. that feed into these larger rivers okay. that, that harbor red eye bass. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't get into a habit of, of naming streams. I think that's part of the fun with red eye bass is you, you explore and you, you know, go on an adventure yourself. Yeah, but, that's cool. Yeah. Um, that's what I would do. And you want to find, you know, like we mentioned earlier, um, you know, water that's a little bit faster, very rocky, a lot of coarse gravel. Cause that's the kind of, um, okay. gravel that red eye bass like to spawn, um, in. So that's where they're going to be in the summer. Yeah. Um, and you know, typically with some, elevation i mean you know a lot of the red-eye bass tributaries that i fish um you know you're climbing waterfalls and you're sometimes even having to get around and climb boulders on the bank to, to get around wow. big slow deep pools yeah. or you know really streams that have that classic riffle run pool um water um is, is gonna have red-eye bass especially those tributary streams um so i think that's the second consideration um once you get on the water that, that has red eye bass, um, you know, fish everything. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, I think we could really get into a lot of different flies you can fish. I mean, you can certainly throw streamers for red eye bass. You can, you can drift nymphs and, mm -hmm. you know, crayfish patterns. And woolly and, boogers and dragon Yeah, I mean, nymphs, yeah. And, and you're going to catch fish on all those. Um, I think the draw for most people for red eye bass fishing is fishing poppers. Um, yeah. Uh, Topwater poppers, you know, a boogle bug, which is a, a type of popper, which it's almost indestructible. Oh, it's the best popper. It's the best. Made, yeah. um, 
And uh, I, I would recommend that. I like to fish, you know, a size size eight or size 10 boogle bug popper. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you're still going to catch some panfish as bycatch with one that small, but you know, um, which they're, they're a ton of fun as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're having a slow red eye bass day, at least you're not going fishless. So you're catching some things. Um, and but they're you equally really wanna... as colorful. I mean, some of these, you know, red breasts oh, and longer yeah. sunfish are crazy how colorful they are. Yes, because I mean, so, this is the time of year when those fish are spawning. Yeah. They're they're lit up with their colors. Red eye bass are lit up. I mean, it's just a really yeah a, a great time to fish. Um, and you really when you once you, I'm going to recommend a popper. And once you have a popper tied on, you really just want to fish everywhere. I mean, yeah. you know, the riffles or the real shallow, faster um, water areas are going to be primarily juvenile red-eye bass or smaller okay. red-eye bass. Okay. Um, so you're going to catch some some in that water. And I like to fish the pocket water in those riffles. So yeah. if you have a big boulder sticking up in mm-hmm. the middle of a riffle, fish above that boulder, below that boulder, because the fish is going to be lying there kind of getting out of the current. Um, so it's not having to work as hard and spend as much energy being in the current. And it's going to have food just rolling by it you know, on either side of that rock. So it can easily just move over into the current and grab a food item and then right back into that kind of eddy formed by the rock. So I like to hit that pocket water. Um, just, you know, the water is so shallow there. I wouldn't recommend doing a lot of popping. You'll probably scare the fish. Doing yeah. That. Yeah. I just like to dead drift it over mm-hmm. in those areas and you'll, you'll mm-hmm. get a hit pretty quick. If the red eyes there. Yeah, you know, and I and a lot of warm water guys that I've noticed in my experience is the first thing they want to do is plop their popper or hopper, grasshopper or whatever they're using mm-hmm. right in right in that pool, you know. Which I mean, you can get some reaction strikes and you can catch some fish that way. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I, I really try to encourage you, kind of like what you just said, is really methodically fish out a hole. You know, don't don't cast over that run. You know, I mean dead drift something in the run a couple times you know right put something right in the seam you know between the current and the pool a couple of times then cast into that pool because um, even the juvenile red eyes you know if you catch one of those in, in the current i mean they're a ton of fun and they're, and they're really pretty and and then you know right. you can cast into the pool and that way you've really fished out a fished out a hole so um, i'm i'm happy to hear you hear you kind of yeah, describe about that because it's important and- and I think that's good for just general fishing. I mean, yeah, yeah. especially when you're fishing red eye waters, they're so clear. I mean, those fish, you know, a lot of their predators are overhead predators. So, you know, you want to have some sort of stealth in your approach. Um, you know, your shadow casting over the water can sometimes send them scurrying yeah. off under a boulder somewhere. Um, and you really want to, you want to kind of observe the water and kind of pick your spots. Okay. You know, you want to, you know, that, that saying that, 90% of the fish are in 10% of the water is, is true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, fish are really holding in the, the prime water areas and, and you want to make sure that you're you know up in your odds of catching one by fishing those areas. So, um, you know, I, I don't, it's so funny that people, you know, you don't go hunting and just, you know, start shooting into the woods where you think yeah, you know, deer <laughs> might be, you know, you, you kind of yeah. observe and you, you know, I think we should do the same thing with fishing, which is, that's like cool. I said, a, a good reminder yeah. in general no, for all really fishermen. Cool. Um, I like that. But, like yeah, that. so riffles, you know, mainly juvenile. Now, your larger fish are going to be in the runs and pools. Um, and, you know, I fish those really the same way. I like to I like to dead drift the popper through the runs. 
Um, when I fish a pool, I like to fish, you know, depending on what, where I'm attacking the pool. If I'm fishing upstream, I'm going to fish the tail of the pool first, um, and just makes a few casts. I don't do any popping. I just kind of dead drift. Um, once I cast to the middle of the pool, I might do a little bit of popping with the, the yeah. popper just because mm-hmm. the water's a little deeper Slung, and you yeah. might want to get their attention. Um, and then I move up to the head of the pool and kind of fish, you know, where a riffle or run is flowing into it because mm-hmm. a lot of fish are going to stage up there feeding on whatever's, you know, flowing in. And I would say for me, at least most of the larger red eye bass I've caught have been, um, in a pool or yep. in like a back eddy kind of off to off yeah. of a run. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're near swift water, but they're not necessarily in that swift water. And yeah, I, I would agree. Um, a lot of the bigger ones that, that I've called or I've had clients catch have been exactly the same. You know, they, they've really got a good amb- ambush point where they're, they're not, they're in the current, but not in the current and they can just jump out and eat when they see something come by. Right. Um, and I can tell you too, um, just a lot of the research I've been doing, um, there's been several groups that have done telemetry studies. So they mm-hmm. basically implant, um, radio telemetry tags in fish, really? sew them back up. Huh. Um, and most of these have been in the Tallapoosa actually. Really? Um, they cool. release those fish and they follow them and see kind of, they learn about on a daily basis, where do they spend most of their time? Um, and most of those show that the most influential factor in habitat selection for red-eye bass is canopy cover. Um, so, you know, boulders, um, overhanging trees or, you know, just vegetation streamside kind of in the shade in a, you know, a pool next to a run or a riffle. I mean, you're really in probably some of the best prime red-eye. Well, then would you say, you know, with canopy, would you say majority of the diet are terrestrial insects? Uh, Yeah. So, I mean, most of the studies that I've seen and, and keep in mind, there's almost next to nothing done on red eye bass in the way of scientific studies mm-hmm. because, you know, they're not necessarily an important game fish uh, financially. So therefore yeah. they don't get funding yeah, to, to have research done on them. But um, most studies say that the majority of um, a red eye bass's diet, and we're talking adult red eye bass or larger red eye bass is adult uh, insects, be it aquatic or terrestrial. Um, now of course, just like any bass, they're opportunistic feeders, so they're not going to pass up a molting crayfish or a small minnow, but the majority of their diet is adult insects. And I think that's why they're such an excellent topwater fly rod target. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. They're used to looking up for their food. So they're always, they're almost always looking up, you know, right. So don't, don't spook them and, you know, make a right cast and, uh, they'll let you know if they're there because they don't they don't well, sit back and sip it they sometimes oh, yeah. go airborne well um, and we'll and we'll kind of end with this and you just said it i mean the most exciting strikes that that i have are when you know it's not a big you know a, a big spot or something the river will just kind of sip it and, and honestly you don't even really know it's a nice one until you kind of start fighting it but, but, you know, a 12-inch red-eye, which is a, a big red-eye, will absolutely destroy a popper. I mean, like you oh, said, yeah. a lot of times, I mean, they'll, they'll come right out of the water. Um, and, uh, and then pound for pound, and, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here, but, but pound, <laughs> I mean, pound for pound, they fight, you know, just as hard. I mean, I've had people hook into, like, a, maybe like a 10-inch red-eye, and, mm-hmm. and then they say, you know, oh, good fish, good fish. 
And so I'm like waiting to see like a you know a a, a, a big spot, and they pull right. like a ten inch red. They're like, oh, it's just a little fish. I'm like, no, that's a that's a good red eye bass, you know. So yeah, uh, that that that's one of my favorite things about them is they're so aggressive and so scrappy. Right, and I think you know a lot of that comes just because they're you know they're a fish of current, and so like most fish that live in the current, they're they got to take food when they can get it because it's coming by so quick, so they don't waste a lot of time looking at it and. Um, they're going to attack and you know they're spending a lot of time in the current they're very lean muscular fish so they can they can hold their own in a a fight you know they're they'll give you a nice nice tug well and and is why we really need to to be aware of them especially in alabama and georgia and know that anytime we you know impound something or you know we make a huge development and cut all the trees off you know that sediment's going to wash into local streams and it's going to, you know, it could cover, you know, we have a stream close to where I live. Um, there's still red eye there, but, but the habitat has really been hurt by, by development and, and the creek's full of sand and, and it's really taken away a lot of their habitat. And so, you know, I mean, we need places to live and we need development and, you know, flood control's great and hydro hydroelectric electricity is great. But at the same time, you know, we, we need to be thinking about the, the potential negative consequences of all these things and just, in my opinion, limit and try to protect, you know, this awesome little species that we get to oh, enjoy in our area. Absolutely. So. I mean, just to piggyback off what you said yeah, too, I mean, go for it. um, specifically the, the black warrior area, you know, there's so many coal mines up there. Yeah. Um, and that's probably one of the, the toughest species to catch, not because they're, they're smarter than the other red eyes, but there's just fewer of them. Um, and I think that coal mining and, you know, some of the, the byproducts of coal mining is really playing a role there. Yeah. So yeah. I encourage people to, you know, get active in, you know, there's a lot of organizations in Alabama, um, Coosa yeah. Riverkeeper. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Tallapoosa probably has a riverkeeper. Well, like actually, no, like I, I oh, no. yeah, I, you know, and I, I, you know, and we could do a whole other episode on Tallapoosa, so I won't get in it. But it right. it's pretty, you know. There's not a, it doesn't really flow through any metropolitan areas, or there's no factories uh, on it. There's no, you know, power uh, or you know, uh, power plants on it. So it needs one. It definitely needs one. But it's not quite as in dire circumstances as like the Coosa or the Cahaba or Black Warrior, which I'm right. thankful for. It's awesome. But anyway, right, yeah, that's anyway. a great thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I encourage you, I get active in all the Coosa Riverkeeper events that I can, donations and things like that. So I encourage other people to, to do that because these are people that are really going to bat for yeah. for the, the well, fisheries. Um, so. Yeah, and so speaking of making connections, if, if people want to follow you or, you know, um, see, you know, I know you post, like you said, some trip reports and stuff on some forums. Um, how can people get up with you? And then, two, you're, you're coming out with a book about Red Eye, which... Um, I don't know if there's any books about red eye bass, so I think that's going to be really interesting. So, you know, right. maybe just tell people how they could reach out to you or, or follow you or keep up with you, and then maybe a little bit of information about the book, and then we'll probably end it there. Okay. Well, um, first of all, I'm kind of a normal guy, so I don't really have an official, uh, yeah. you know, web page yeah, or course. anything. But, um, you know, I'm on Facebook, Matthew Robert Lewis. Um, you can email me at mrl zero 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 four at gmail.com and um you know I, I do have a book coming out soon i'm on fly fishing for red eye bass um, it's more of a labor of love than something 
you know, I'm looking to make money off of, but, you know, I just got frustrated with the lack of information out there. There, there are zero books on them and very little in the way of, of scientific research articles. So rather than sit back and complain yeah, that there's cool. not information, you know, do I thought, well, why don't I do something about it? Yeah. Put something out there. That's so, awesome, man. Um, yeah, you I'm know, looking forward to reading in it. it. <laughs> yeah, it'll be out soon, and there's not going to be an official announcement for it because, yeah. you know, obviously yeah. – uh, this is kind of a niche game, but um, it'll it'll be around at local places around Birmingham and maybe some of the fly shops and um, you know word of mouth type stuff. But it well, will be I'll, available for purchase on Amazon. Yeah, and um, if people follow me or or whatever on some of my social media outlets, I'll I'll definitely kind of help spread the word. So great, appreciate it. That. Yeah, man, it's gonna be awesome. Uh, what what about some of the forms, real quick? Um, that you're on if, if you want to share that yeah um well there's really not as many um anymore i mean um i'm on the the drake which is a national yeah. fly fishing forum based off a of magazine the drake magazine um you know i wouldn't encourage people to to go to that one as much for for my postings but um get a little crazy on that forum sometimes but yeah but you do have some reports that i've seen that are just mm-hmm. you know would be right if if you're interested to see any pictures of of some of the fish you've talked about you know you can go on there yes. and see some of the stuff you posted so yeah and i would say cool. for you know local stuff there's not really as as much of a forum anymore um but we do have a group called Alabama River Fishing on Facebook um you know it's a lot of guys like myself that just uh enjoy fishing local waters yeah. and um you know a lot of those guys love red eye bass fishing I think it's a little bit of a misnomer because it's not fishing the Alabama River. It's Alabama yeah, River yeah. fishing. So a lot of people come on there asking for, like, where do I fish for catfish on the Alabama River? And it's like, well, we don't really know. But yeah. um, Well, and anyway, we've, we've so. started a group uh, called Alabama Fly Fishing, too, on Facebook. Uh, okay, so, cool. Yeah, so you should join that. And um, if anybody else is listening, um, there's a lot of red-eye bass lovers on that. And there's probably a lot of people who are on both, and you could be on both. Um, right. So, uh so, well, Matt, man, this was really interesting, and I appreciate you taking some time out of your day uh, to talk about Red Eye, and, and you know, it, it's it's something I love as well, so it's fun to connect with somebody who, who also loves such a special little species, but uh, really appreciate it, man. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. Awesome.